Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. It's time to hang out with Steve and I here on the Retirement Pilot as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And this is our April, end of April edition here, and we're going to Talk about the continued, I don't know, volatility and, and jumbulation of the market and things that we've got going on and the inflation and just kind of everything that we're dealing with this week. So we're going to go through some of these terms, what they mean, and just how it's affecting stuff out there right now. Steve, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Doing pretty good. Been watching this. Uh, you know, I'm glad April's almost over because from a weather standpoint, it's been super wonky. Uh, the weather can't make up its mind and neither can the market. <laughs> no, we can't can't. We've got some serious volatility going on. Uh, what are you thinking with with things? I know the last couple of days at the time we're taping this, we're right here about the end of April. Uh, they're starting to talk about the markets getting jumpy again because of a lot of COVID cases in China, which would mean, you know, slow down on production and things of that nature. What are you seeing in here? Yeah, that's basically what, well, for a lot of the issues that are going on with with the market, one of the big issues is is the rise of interest rates. You know, yeah. the Fed is is trying to telegraph to the markets that they're going to raise interest rates and they're going to be pretty aggressive in doing it, meaning if they already did a half a percent increase, they're looking at doing another half a percent increase. So that's kind of got the market kind of looking on edge on that. Then you you do have the issues with China and their supply over there because it's going to impact manufacturing. Unfortunately, we've got ourselves so tied to them on everything in terms of manufacturing that it is going to have an effect on certain things that are coming over here. So that's that's part of it because at some point all those ships that are still out in the LA trying to get into the LA docks uh, will get in, be able to unload, but then there's not going to be that much to be sent back over. So we've got that going against us. And then the other part is we have inflation. And inflation at the last um, report was at eight and a half percent. It is not going down. And that is having a trickle down effect. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, inflation is going to get under control. Well, the only way it's going to get under control is the Fed is going to have to raise interest rates. That's the way the Fed can control inflation is through interest rate hikes. So we'll see what happens because it's kind of a dual edged sword. You've got the inflation going, which means you got to raise interest rates, but yet you're going to have a supply issue later on once we find out that China isn't able to generate as much stuff as they normally do. So um, that yeah. will eat into things. Yeah, and Steve, we're in a weird quandary, right? Because typically, yes, they raise interest rates in order to kind of you know help con- curb and control inflation. But really, they also, they, they've got to raise these because they were already too low, right? There's just, there's nowhere to go. So, and the conversation that we're hearing is, well, when the Fed starts to raise interest rates, it could throw us into a recession. And it's like, yeah. And if it does, how do they typically handle recessions? Well, they cut interest rates. But where they're at right now, they can't cut anything. There's nowhere to go, right? You know, so that's why they have to kind of start ticking them up in the, it's a very weird cycle. So if they tick them up, it's probably going to cause a recession, but then they'll have at least some room to knock it back down, which will then hopefully pull us back out of a recession should one happen. It's a very weird cycle. It is. And one of the problems we've had is that Washington won't let the markets do what they're supposed to do. 
Uh, recession is a normal part of the cycle in the markets. We sure. go up and we sure. go down, but they have worked really hard to make sure that if, if the market starts to go down, they start pumping more money into the system, which is when the interest rates were being lowered so fast by the Fed, that just pumped more money into the system. And that was to stave off a uh, downturn in the market. Mm-hmm. Well, you can only do that for so long. And at some point, you've got you've to deal with it. And that's kind of where we are right now is how do we deal with this? And unfortunately, we're kind of stuck. We've got high inflation and we're going to have to raise interest rates because if they cut interest rates, if, if things start to go bad in the economy, we're just going to be right back at this in a couple of years. So it's kind of like we're going to have to take our medicine here and cut the amount of free cash that they had for a while going in and kind of see where it goes. Uh, I'm not an economist, so I don't, you know, I'm not sitting here pretending what, what they need to do, but um, but some of the stuff is. seems like it, you know, makes sense. And other, yeah, obviously some of us gets pretty convoluted. But at the same time, we're in this. It's also everything is so politically motivated and antagonized that it's like we're we're not making. I don't think we're making smart decisions for the sake of the smart decisions of the overall health of things. It's really like a lot of appeasement to stuff. I mean, even think about right now. We've been, you know, everybody's frustrated about gas, right? Obviously, gas has been ridiculous. And so they come out, the EPA comes out and says they're going to lower uh, the regulations to allow more ethanol to be put into regular gas, right, to help reduce the kind of the cost. They'll bring the price down on the gas a little bit. But they're not happy about it. They're kind of being forced to do it by the administration, which creates another set of problems because then they're going to cause some corn shortages, which that will cause other issues. So it's like we make a lot of knee-jerk reactions the last couple of years instead of really thinking things through. Exactly. And it's it's all motivated by, you know, what looks good and what sounds good. You know, we, we have become a, we call it kind of the, the snippet society, meaning. We, oh, we're a soundbite society for sure. Soundbites. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yep. Soundbites. Everything's soundbites. And you need to let the markets work on the oil. And, you know, if the price gets too high, I don't like to pay it, but if it gets too high, people cut back driving, which reduces the demand. And then that will end up catching up to some supply and it'll bring down costs. But, you know, it, it's, as I said, we've gotten ourselves into this position and we're wanting the government to fix everything and they can't. I mean, sometimes <laughs> things just happen. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, and I understand the issue in, in Ukraine is terrible and the war over there is, is an illegal war, basically, I think. Um, that is not the cause of what's going on right now. No, this was in play before that. This whole thing is has been brewing for a number of years. It's kind of like the housing crisis we had or the credit crisis we had in 08 and 09. Mm-hmm. That didn't just happen in a couple of years. It happened multiple years of just kind of building on itself. Well, and to the point we were talking about, this is what happens when you shut down a globe and then wonder, you know, what the ramifications are without thinking that through a little bit, you know? So you, you, I mean, it's basic, like I was, this is how I was taught about inflation a long time ago with just a simple kind of a child's way of looking at it. And it's like, okay, so you got 10 apples and, and, you know, and then the other person's got $10, right? 
And so what's the cost of the apple? Well, each apple costs a dollar, right? Ten apples, ten dollars, there you go. I mean, it's pretty simple. Well, where you get the inflation is, is when you influx all this cash, like we've done uh, over the last couple of years with the stimulus, you got more dollars. Now you got $14 over here in your in your hand, Steve, but you still got ten apples. Well, guess what? Each apple's a dollar forty, right? Because you got so they they can ask for they can require more money. They can reach out and say, Hey, you've got more money, I want more money per apple. Well, then if you start removing apples, now you go down to seven apples and you still got 14 bucks well now each apple's two dollars right so there's it's supply and demand so we've got less stuff because of uh, covid and production shutdowns and uh, supply chains and we've got more cash over the last couple of years because we've thrown all this stuff in there but also didn't go any place or spend a lot of it and that's why we're stuck in this weird place that we've just never been in before it is you know the the one thing that has also increased the inflation and all these other things is the cost of labor yeah. What are we okay. arguing now? $30 an hour? I just saw an argument yesterday. Uh, they they want to try to say $30 should be the minimum wage. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's Well, and the, the issue is companies are having to pay more to keep talent. Okay. That's a pretty basic thing. If, you, if you've got people you want to keep, paying them more is it. The issue is, is that they're paying a lot of people who don't bring a tremendous amount of value to the company. You know, when you're paying a person who answers the phones, $25 an hour, and that's all they do. They answer the phone, that's nice, but it's not, is it? Is that really worth, is that value $25 an hour? Well, it is because that's how the only way they can get anybody to do it. Right. Yeah. Because they could go to, you know, the fast food place and, you know, make 17 or 18 at this point, because that's what, that's what some of the places are doing. I mean, there's places here locally where I'm at, there was a sign in a Taco Bell window that said now hiring $18 an hour, 18 at Taco Bell. When I was, yeah. you know, when I was 17 or 18 years old, it was like four and a quarter, man, I would have flipped my lid if I saw 18, right? It's unreal. And the, the issue with that is those, those costs, those employee costs don't go down typically. And, you know, the, those are locked in fixed cost. And who pays that are the people who buy the product. So it's a trickle down. Yep. So if you pay people more to work there, it's going to cost you more for your taco than yep. it did a year and a half ago. It's going to cost you more at McDonald's if you've got somebody checking you out or flipping burgers and they're making $18 an hour, your hamburger is going to cost more because the cost is going to be pushed down onto um, the consumer. And we can see that happening because the producer price index, which is what it costs a, a producer to make things, is running at about a 10% inflation rate, not eight and a half. That's because of their increase in cost to manufacture or to produce the goods that people buy. And when you get that, at some point, people will go, I'm not, I'm not going to go to McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell or someplace and, and buy that. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay that kind of money. And therefore, what you're going to get is then the business is going to slow down and they're not going to need the people anymore. So then you're going to have to let them go. Yeah. Well, now they can't find a job because there's not enough jobs because not enough. You see what I'm saying? It's just a trickle down effect. Well, it's it's really cyclical. Yeah, we're we're in this weird cyclical place that we've put ourselves in. And again, I think a lot of times because we're 
catering to to the to the loud voices and the various different things instead of really thinking through total solutions. I get I'm with you. Everybody we want people to make a, a living wage and, and that's understandable. But every all this stuff has a cause and effect. If you raise these those lower paying jobs because that's what they're supposed to be is just entry level jobs, then you you know the price of the items go up as you just mentioned. And of course then when we start to have problems like with the fuel, uh, then we're having this cost go up. So these people that are now making you know fifteen dollars an hour at Taco Bell, they're no better shape than they were two years ago or three years ago when they were making nine or eight, but everything was cheaper three years ago, but it's not now, right? So you're in the same exact boat you were in before, uh, and everything is being brought down versus everything kind of being smoothed out because we keep knee-jerk reaction, in my opinion anyway, to this stuff instead of really looking through long-term strategies. Exactly. And the other part is, is that I was listening to a, uh, an economist and I can't, gosh, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. You know, we went through this quick, quote, great uh, resignation where people were quitting their jobs and doing different things and all that. And what his theory was, and, and it makes kind of sense. He said, you know, all these people had quit some like 40 million people fell out of the workforce, yeah, something crazy. like that. Now, by the way, all these quote jobs that have been created haven't been created. They're just jobs that everybody's coming back to. There have been no jobs created since the the pandemic had kind of ceased. Right. Okay. That's a that's a political thing that yeah, all a, the politicians are pushing through. Yeah. That somehow they've created all these jobs. No. When you got rid of twelve million jobs because they, the businesses shut down. Right. And now right. the businesses are back open and people are coming back to work. Those aren't created. Those were already there. So that's a misnomer. But his theory is what is going to happen if inflation stays where it is and it, it continue to go up and the issues that we're having with it. Mm-hmm. He said, we're going to have a great re-entering into the job. Uh, oh, yeah. Sense. We're not going to have a choice. Well, because what's going to happen is these people, you know, and I go through the plans I've been doing for my clients, you know, none of us had thought about, you know, kicking inflation up to eight and a half percent. Right. <laughs> and if it sticks around at eight and a half percent to nine to 10, that will really cause problems in, in for retirees. Yeah. Yeah. For retirees and pre-retirees, I, I, you know, that's obviously, well, definitely retirees, if you're already there, you know, it's understandable worry because we're seeing the market volatility and we're seeing this, this inflation numbers. And it's like, okay, if this hangs around for a few months and let's be honest, it's already been here for three or four months as it is. If this hangs around for a year plus, you know, and it does hit, let's just go with 10% for easy math. That's making a real dent and not a good one in your retirement money, Steve, because you're probably only making, you know, now granted the last three years have been amazing in the market, but again, depending on your risk tolerance and so on and so forth, there's not much out there that's going to allow you to make 10%. No. And the other part is we have the market going down. Right. And so double slapped. You, you throw that into the mix and these people are like, well, I got enough money to live on. I've calculated it out and I can live off this. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If I'm losing an almost 9% buying power, plus the market is, is going down the way it is or as volatile as it is, I may not have enough money when I'm 78 or 80 years old because it's being eaten away with a down market and high inflation. So it's costing me more to live. Mm-hmm. So his, as I said, his theory is that a lot of people who, who dumped out of the workforce are going to try to re-enter the workforce because they can't afford to stay retired. 
because they just know that they're not going to be able to make yeah, it. So we'll see what yeah, happens well, with that. Definitely. And some of that resignation, a good chunk of that, was people on the fence, Steve. It was people that were... You know, like my brother, for example, will go people that were 55 to maybe 60, 62, 61, somewhere in there, you know, and they were thinking, hey, you know, uh, you know, we're not driving. We're not going and doing all that kind of stuff with the pandemic. Now that things are opening back up, my, my brother, for example, has said, hey, I, I'm 63. I could turn on Social Security, but I really my plan calls for me to wait till 67 full retirement age. If they make me go back to the office, I'm probably going to quit early, right? So he'd kind of fall into that group of saying, I, I'm done. You know, I'm going to I'm going to jump out because the gas and all that kind of stuff would not be worth it for him to make the drive, you know, the hour plus drive to where his office would be. But as long as they're letting him stay at home, he's fine to continue working through his his plan and his idea. And many people were forced or kind of got into that situation. And some, a lot, obviously, millions said, I'm just done. I'm not going to drive or I'm not going to go back to the office or I'm not going to whatever. And yeah, to your point, they're going to maybe have to reevaluate that and look and say, yeah, okay, well, now I'm going to have to do this. you know. And jobs are going to start, I think, right now we're still kind of catering to people saying, well, if you can work from home, fine, go ahead. But we're starting to see more industries and more larger companies say it's time for you to come back to the office. And that's going to, you know, that's going to really kind of shake things up as well, too. I think so. So we'll have to kind of see how it happens. I, I just think that we're, we should expect uh, a lot of volatility. Um, you know, yesterday we rebounded. Today we're back down. Tomorrow we could go back up. Uh, the Fed comes back in and says, okay, in May we're going to raise it half a percent. You'll see the market zoom back up and then we'll go through. And then the next Fed meeting, they'll try to guess what they're going to do and the market will go down. We're just going to, we're just, it's just going to be volatile for a while. Um, we just have to understand that. And, but I kind of always go back to what Warren Buffett always says. He says, look, own good quality companies that are making a profit and paying dividends. Mm -hmm. If you do that and you're generating some income out of your portfolios, you're going to be fine in the long term. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be volatile. Doesn't mean you're going to have a negatives. But as long as you're generating income dividends, that's because companies are still making money. And you're just going to have to write it out. You can't get afraid of the market and you can't make long-term decisions based on short-term market fluctuations. Um, because it happens all the time. And so it's easy to say hard to do. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Well, you know, again, there's a lot going on right now. So it's kind of just kind of a state of things, uh, what to think about, what to ponder. If you've got some questions and you need some help, as always, reach out to Steve before you take any action. Uh, Steve, a lot of times we've been doing some, you know, some uh, giveaways or some white papers, anything going on you'd like to, to drop out this week? Yeah, I've got a white paper on inflation. Uh, I'd be more than willing to, to send that out to anybody if they want it. I'll email it to them. It's a real good piece on on what you can do about inflation and, and how to kind of deal with that, because that is that is a huge issue we have right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you'd like a complimentary copy of that white paper on inflation, uh, shoot an email over to Steve at Steve H at WealthPartnersCorp.com. That's Steve H at WealthPartners. C-O-R-P Corp.com. Uh, you can also just give them a call if you need to as well, but that's the easy way to do it. 913-685-3207. You can find all the information at WealthPartnersKC.com. That's WealthPartnersKC.com. Steve, thanks for hanging out and talking a little bit with me uh, about some of these topical things. I mean, obviously, we're still in the thick of a lot of mess, so hopefully we'll see how it plays out in the coming weeks and months, and I'm sure we'll be back here again. Sounds great. Thanks, appreciate Mark. it, Mark. I appreciate you as well, my friend. We'll catch you next time here on The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover, financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.